welcome to No Page Unturned, the podcast where Christina, Steph, and myself, Josh, go in-depth discussing books, mainly focusing on those written by BIPOC and LGBTQ plus authors. You don't have to read along with us, but be warned, there will be spoilers ahead. For season one, we're talking The Ruined of Kings by Jen Lyons, the first book in her series, A Chorus of Dragons. The three of us love this book for being anti-imperialistic, for its fantastic queer characters, and the unique ways it explores the fantasy genre. So please, come read with us. I mean, I guess it's a good point to start with chapter 52. 52. Where oh. the very beginning of this chapter is so funny to me because Darzen's like, you know, I'm, I realize I'm not very introspective. And then <laughs> the first thing that popped into my head was head empty, only evil. <laughs> Truth. This actually might be the most like twisted chapter in the entire series that, that we've read so far, because other than the like magical male birth control, this scene could have taken place in any universe, including ours. You know, like it's, it's yeah, it's twisted and heartbreaking. It's yeah, it's just every part of it is like the worst possible combination of human suffering and human sadness. Yeah, like this is a chapter that makes me want to take a shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it doesn't just paint a bad picture of Darzen, but it paints a terrible picture of the royals all together, like. In my notes, I have it written down. The royals are sick, like, multiple times. And, like, he starts it off with the reveal that uh, it was Alshanae who he uh, sacrificed to summon Zaltara, who found Kieran for Darzan and uh, Deadman. And then, then you know, the irony of Alshanae, really Talon, being with Kieran in this scene. Also, like, Thervishar has this remark about um, mimics not having blood. So he's like, how do they make blood? And I can't, like, the imagery in my head is so gross. So like, oh, do mimics just, like, eat a bag of blood and use it for <laughs> Yeah, they just carry it around situations? in, like, a flesh pocket. Yeah, but their flesh pocket is, like, literally inside them. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Like a like a camelback, but like inside you. Yeah. Or if yeah. it's just some kind of like all purpose ectoplasm. <laughs> Cause like presumably part of being a mimic is liquid, like yeah. most bodies. It's just that they have total control over it. So I wonder if yeah. she went back and like slurped it all up. Like I, w- I wonder if they could like like move all the liquid in their body into one section to like disguise themselves as someone like completely dehydrated and then mm. attack. I mean, I don't see why not. Yeah, a lot of a lot of physiological questions that we have for Gen Lions about mimics. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, did you and think I, about the biology enough? <laughs> and I'm yeah. really just discussing this because I want to avoid like thinking about Talon and Darzen together because they skeeve me out. Like the way he describes Talon opening her eyes and being like do it right before oh, he's right. going to Ugh. right before he's like Darzen's going to do this play acting of marital abuse of like, oh man Ugh. yeah it's ugh, it's gross it's just 
upsetting. Yeah, there, there's so much of this gross. chapter that paints a bad picture of the yeah. royals. Yeah. Darzen's remark about there not being much difference between having a wife and having a slave, and the fact that infidelity is like this game that they play where like Oh, you, like he's like going through the play-by-play of like what the good moves are. He's like, "Oh, you made this great move of going into your room and not my room," and I'm like, "You're gross." Yeah, yeah. You're he's terrible. like weirdly proud of Karen. He's, I think he says like, "I'd be, I'd be even, I'd be super proud of you if it didn't happen to be my wife." Right. Yeah. Ugh. And, mm. and then to top it all off, he like near the end of the chapter, he looks at Karen, who's giving him like these like you know death stare and he thinks of Darzen thinks of uh, Pedrin and gets chilled so what the hell was Pedrin like right? that Darzen yeah. is like get chilled by he's like oh I had dark thoughts there for a moment of you know dark memories of Pedrin and I'm like oh my god and it, like it's it's I think we've had inklings of this before the idea that Darzen was also like pretty heavily abused by Pedrin yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, the cycle of abuse exists in fantasy world, too. Great. Awesome. Cool. I mean, like, I'm glad it's psychologically complex. And it's, yeah, true. What's interested in me rereading this is that his, like, we knew that Darzan wasn't going to get any better. Mm. But I forgot that Tishar, who's uh, Pedrin's sister, sister yeah. was yeah. pretty... Uh, uh, willing to defend her brother despite what he had done. She yeah, was like, well, he wanted to remake the Empire, and if you look at the Empire, it definitely needs remaking, so, like, his methods might have been extreme, but, you know, can you do this by half measures? And yeah, and yeah. She, there's not a good answer. She makes a really interesting point about the fact that her mother was a slave, Right. And that she was like, you know, a whisker away from being a slave herself and that yeah. has altered her view of the Empire. But the, I don't know. But at the same time, like, she doesn't seem particularly eager to do make any changes herself. Like, well, she even has less power than. Yeah, true. Then I mean, like, she definitely has power and it's. It's telling that she kind of abdicates it, but she's also a woman in a fiercely patriarchal system. Yeah. And we just get, like, Darzan just explains how wives are basically slaves. Mm. And we know that she was basically sold yeah. as a wife. Yeah. And she, it seems so, like and her she defense mechanism it. is yeah. uh, not caring. If yeah. She yeah. doesn't care. Yeah. She doesn't. But she has that great line about how the empire was built on the backs of slaves. And then it makes me question, why are the eight immortals okay with this? Like, I don't, I'm not really sure why they're okay with slavery. it doesn't affect them, really. Yeah, I guess. And they all kind of have their own areas, which is interesting. So, like, the Vane don't have slaves Mm. at all. They just don't. Like, the Jorites have interesting... Uh, like a totally different culture, and uh, so yeah, I'm interested in why they let it happen in Quar, but like, yeah. it's clearly not necessary. So like, why it, do the Animorals yeah. allow it, and then why does everybody else allow it? Like, come on. It is interesting to me that the Animorals let it go on. Maybe like not so much slavery itself, but like geishing. Like you think that the Immortals would be against geishing because it gives power to demons. 
Right. Yeah, that was the other thing we learned in this set of chapters. Yeah. Geishing not only makes you a slave in this life, it binds your soul in the afterlife. Like, who... And we know that Kamezra knows this. Yeah. Slash Thena. We know. So, like, why is she okay with that? Yeah, big, it's... Big fat question mark. But, yeah, but, yeah, I think ultimately, like, it doesn't affect their ultimate problems with Volkaroth and Relosvar, and so they just maybe brush it under the rug a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like the whole demon thing is just sort of like a we'll solve this later type of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, we just we just now are getting information about, which totally, almost entirely went over my head about oh, God, the immortals yeah. and the prisoner and uh, the area where the mortgage are. It's it's very difficult to follow too, like because you're seeing it through Kieran's eyes and he's very panicky and they're freaking out and then you know, he's looking at carvings, but it's she does a good job describing the imagery but like it's hard to describe a carving like a relief a in a way that is translates to text well if that makes sense and like it's it's a tricky passage to read because it's like there were nine men and then there were eight men and the nine men stabbed the eight men and it's just like it's it's such a vague carving that it's hard for Kieran to describe properly if that makes sense i think i I think you're totally right especially on the first read because, like, yeah. I didn't even remember it. It was so obtuse to I, me. But I, now I'm reading yeah. it, and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. Because I know who these people are now. And that's the other thing. You don't know who all, like, the figures in the carvings are when you're reading the yeah. first book. Like, we don't even learn the names of all the eight immortals like, until, like, almost book three. Yeah, you have to go to the glossary mm-hmm. for it. And the glossary does not have the eight immortals, like, separated out. It has the yeah. alphabetical... Yeah, so you don't so, know, unless like... you're reading the whole glossary, yeah. which I think at one point mm-hmm. I did, <laughs> but uh... I did too. <laughs> glossary bitches. I also I also like lists and keeping track of things. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, what are the gods? Yeah, yeah, like when people when somebody's like, oh, Galava, and I'm like, who's that? I need to know. Yeah, important. that happened one too many times, and I was just like. Yeah, I still have I have the list of all the cornerstones that I made with question marks for some of them. Nice. I have the list of the immortals, and then I'm like, but maybe different. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there, there are a lot of question marks in this book. Also, there's like, I can't believe how many like hints of future things there are still oh God, right? happening. Yeah. Like Fuck. when uh, when Talia is bought by Thervishar. And uh, Tashar is thinking about like uh, Thervishar, and then he looks up at her. I'm like, ooh, that's a hint. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. even think about that. Yeah, it's it was really interesting to me that Thervishar is painted in a super negative light the first time he's introduced, and for the first few chapters. Yeah, because he's Gadgeth's son. But even yeah. that, even like two chapters later, uh, you know, on um, in Island Time, Kieran makes a note that. Uh, Gadriths had an adopted Geisht son, which went completely went over my head the first time. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, right? And so, like, that should have been a real clue that Thervishar was maybe not a willing 
participant in any of this stuff and maybe he's not right. a bad guy yeah i did find it really interesting like tashar in particular like paints this horrible picture of of Thervishar. yeah and we never what's interesting to me is especially reading the um so we we see Thervishar, and then a couple chapters later we hear someone who turns out to be Thervishar. yes but you can't even put that together because he never speaks in the first chapter and you yeah. never see him in the second chapter where he appears. So he's extremely mysterious. Um, he like, and, and we have these pieces of information. We have his voice, but it's separate from his appearance, which is separate from his history, which is separate from his parentage. It's like, well, yeah. he's gay, but we don't know if he's like willing. He's, and he's uh, like, in he's any part of this. He's, and a then, scholar, but we don't know how smart he is. Like, yeah, and like in the in the chapter where it's the overheard conversation, they talk about how like Pedron was summoning demons in the basement, and they talk about how I guess Sandus and Co took down Pedron. Well, and they mention they're like, oh yeah, your mom was. They rescued your mom here. Like, but we don't know they're talking to Thurvishar. Right. Yeah, and it's like. What the fuck was she like? Was she? I think she was a slave. I think that's the implication. Like, who the fuck was Thervishar's mom? Like, we know she was some dreth lady, but well, it's... we don't know if they mean Gadreth's. They could be talking about Tienso. Yeah, we don't know oh, if yeah. his official mother, Riveri slash Tienso, or his actual mother, who is we don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's there's so many layers of dramatic irony in this book. Yeah, like and. And, and, and I know I say this every fucking time, but, like, you could reread these books so many times and still find things, learn things, be like, oh, my God, we knew this the whole time and I didn't realize it. Like, it's it's not even frustrating. It's fucking incredible. And I love it. And, like, every time we read, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember these chapters, like, being kind of boring. And then we read them again and I'm like... No, so much happens. We learn so much. Why did I think that this was like just, you know, some random world building? Like, no, like every, th there is, I I've yet to find a single thrown away line in these right. books. Steph, I want to ask you because uh, you've read the first book for the first time more recently. Okay. In the mausoleum chapter, um, did you think that the third voice was Thervishar at all. No, I had no fucking clue. No, I don't even knew if I I don't even think I picked up that the other voice was Gadrith. Oh, I I didn't know or that. We didn't but... I guess we we don't know. There yeah, like I I don't think I knew. I think I the only I was like, "Oh, Darzen's talking to some people and he's planning bad stuff." Mm. I thought it might have been Thurishar when they described the end with, like, the swishing of robes and it being oh. so close to the other chapter with Thurishar. But nice. I love, I, when I, like, finally found out it was Thurishar the first time I read it, I reread this chapter because I love the put-down that, uh, <laughs> that Thurishar says to oh, Darzen. Oh, it's great. And I... I he goes, Damon, the third voice said in an unfriendly way, I understand why you're necessary, but don't make the mistake of thinking that means I have to be nice to you. You're a small-minded, petty bully who has no understanding at all of the real nature of power. If my so master didn't need you, I would take great delight in turning your bones back into the mother's milk 
from which they were born and consider myself to have done a service for the public good. Yes. Like, I love that part. <laughs> God, if, he, if there was a mic, he should drop it. Fuck yeah. Also, there's more hints about Thervishar's witch gift here where he uh, whispers to Galen and Kieran and Galen has that remark about um, um, it's, he's speaking so low and quiet, it almost sounds like he's speaking in my mind. Oh, yeah, I didn't so we get the hint of his, his witch gift and his parentage because yeah. he can see in the dark. Oh, he, oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, because he makes a note that it's not that dark or something, right? Fuck. Yeah, he's like, it's only dark to you, and we yes. think that he's being metaphorical. He's being literal. Yeah. He's like, yeah. no, I can just see in the dark. <laughs> He's not he's not more evil. He doesn't mean dark as in evil. He's yeah. just like No, it's fine. I got infrared. I my favorite thing that came up as we were reading these chapters listeners Jen Lyons did a Twitter AMA uh, to celebrate the release of The House of Always. And somebody asked her if she had a fan cast for any of her characters. And she said that she really only had one and that it was Vin Diesel for Thurvishar. And now I just, I can't not picture Vin Diesel as Thurvishar. And it makes me so happy all the time. I fucking love it. Like with the fucking pitch black eyes and like, it it would be so good. I can, I, I can't see it at all. No. But also I under like it would never be really fun to see Vin Diesel play against type to play like Book a smart. very a nerdy wizard, yeah. Yeah, a very soft, mild-mannered wizard. Yeah. Like Vin Diesel can be very soft like in the Pitch Black series, but like that yeah, I love it. It makes me I, happy. I love Vin Diesel, yeah. so. And he loves D&D, so I bet he would like yeah. be down for for a role like that. At one point, we should we should do a uh, ideal casting. I'm yes. bad at thinking of it on the spot. I will have to. Yeah, I will. I'm so bad at it on the spot. I would definitely have to think about it. But yes, but we like, absolutely. I want to see. That. I want to see Tom Holland as Galen. I know that much. <gasps> that would be so good. Sweet, sweet little precious oh my baby. God. Because Tom Holland always looks like he's 15. He's, what, like 28 or something? Yeah, now? yeah, he's like Doesn't 27 matter. or something. <laughs> <laughs> Koros are not actually... I think Tom Holland was a little too pale to play Kieran because Koros yeah, are they're actually not more right. olive skin. Yeah. Yeah. And in the Price of Freedom chapter 58, uh, I, lo- I love that um, Kieran buys Star and Merit, and then he brilliantly... Buys this horse thief to, <laughs> then he gives it to Darzin, uh, to train this Jorati's horse, knowing that Star can steal horses. Yeah, like he's already got like he's fifteen, but he's already got these plans in the works that he he uses it to his advantage to get an invitation to I forget where wherever they're going. Oh, to the calling fields? Yeah. Yeah, you get permission to leave the compound, basically. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah but he knows, in a pinch, Star could steal that ho- horse and they could get out of there. Right, and he yeah. has plausible deniability. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he, he did the smart thing, too, where he gave Star to Theron. Yeah. Because I think somebody mm-hmm. makes the point, is like, well, if your slave isn't able to tame the horse, Darzan will probably just have him killed. He's like, oh, no, no, that's the High Lord's slave now. 
Yeah. It's great. He is very good at coming up with the, like, he, Kieran really, he's, he is smart in a lot of ways. Like, we, we talk about what a sweet dumbass he is, but he is really smart, like, and savvy. Like, he very quickly has picked up how this world works, and he's already yeah. using it to his advantage in, in ways to fuck with Darzan, and it's great. He's oh, really yeah. good at adapting to new situations. Yeah. He yeah. is he is high int, high charisma, just very low yeah. wisdom. <laughs> He's yeah. just like, and, like oh, he was dragon. sheltered. Let's too. face it head on again. Yeah, like, he was basically a homeschooled kid, too. So he like, yeah. grew up super sheltered. You can't really blame him for that, like, in terms of his intelligence. Yeah, ironically, a brothel was a very sheltered environment for Kieran. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Yeah. yeah, not even not even being sarcastic. It, it genuinely yeah. was like, very protective. <laughs> except he did he did learn he likes to be tied up sometimes. Yeah, which yeah. like well, fine. Related to to that, like chapter fifty four, where he and Tashar in the carriage ride together. Oh, she's so good. I love her, and like it's really rare. I think in a book where you you get conversations of consent at all. Mm-hmm. You know the idea that like. No, she was an adult, you were drunk, you're a child. Yeah, you are not of age. And regardless of of even all that, did you want it to happen? And he says no. And she's like, okay, yeah. great. It's not your fault. Like, you you were taken advantage of. And, like, obviously we know Alshanae is not human at all at this point. But, like, as she makes a point, she's like, Alshanae can drink most men under the table. Like, of course she took advantage of you. Yeah, that that was that was extremely well done from like a high level. Let's talk about what consent means yeah. in this world, and then on, on a very intimate level of watching Kieran want to deny it. And I think that's yeah. really true. Like, you want to deny it to protect. He still thinks that Alshanae is this battered wife, right? Yeah. Um, he doesn't know what's happened to her already, and so like he wants to be protective, and that you know that's very noble. Even if she is morally gray, he doesn't want her to get further injured. Um, but then having to admit it to himself is yet another step. So, like, it takes the whole chapter, and I think I think that's really realistic and um, yeah. thoughtful. Mm-hmm. It's it's very and like it's it's very typical for victims to blame themselves, take the onus upon themselves. Yeah. And I, I love that he was at least able to talk to somebody who was like, "No, no, you you are not," you know. This is not your fault. You were taken advantage of, and it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, as much as I would wish for Kieran or anyone else to have someone then be there for him more than that, the fact that it ends there is emblematic of the world, right? Like, mm-hmm. Tishar gives him permission to be not okay, but she can't be a shoulder for him because right, she's done her yeah. own shit. Like, this probably happened to her. Yeah. That's probably why she knows. Like, we know that the nobles play horrible games with each other's wives. We know that the wives are constantly seeking even, like, a morsel of power. And it just, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a nice conversation about consent and like sexual assault on men but it's also mm-hmm. like oh right but all but also under tinged with this undercurrent of Kerr is the worst right like yeah. the system doesn't actually benefit anyone whether yeah you're male yeah. whether you're female like <laughs> it's bad all the way down like even darzen is 
miserable. Like yeah. he he gets what he wants, but he's not like, happy. No, the people that he fell in with are people who hate him, want to turn his bones back into milk, like, <laughs> and like he deserves it, and there's no denying that. But like, I don't know. I I really love the narrative trick that is like really subtly employed here. Is like we know how bad Darzen is, mm. right? The fact that he's afraid of this this third voice, who's Gadrith. Mm. Holy shit, that guy must be evil. Yeah, right. Like what? What is this awful person doing if he makes right. Darzen's? Yeah. Yeah, and, like, one of my initial thoughts about the book when I finished it the first time was, and, and part of this was also because I didn't read the footnotes, um, was the idea that, like, Gadrith as a villain kind of felt like he came out of nowhere. But he didn't. Mm. No. He's been here the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah. Poor, poor Kieran discovering incest is a thing. Oh, in God. That one chapter where where Relos Var is talking to Tyenso and he's like, oh, your father. And and then he's like, oh, you're talking about not your... And this Kieran's like, no, you're talking about Gadriff. That's your husband. That's Ooh. different. And Tyenso's like, Kieran. About that. I, I hate to break this to you. Yeah, it's fucked. Yeah, I think I think this book is interestingly now that I read it again, an excellent uh example of how sex work makes the conversation about consent really interesting because everything's up front and everything is like discreet and you talk about it beforehand and you tell people what you want and it's just like, "Oh, Kieran's upbringing was sheltered because nobody hid anything from him." Funny how that works. He he had a, a- very uh not fucked up view of sex yeah ironically right like if you had grown Mm. up in the royal houses you probably would have been like you know we uh those early chapters moria mentions like how is this kid so innocent for growing up in a brothel but he'd probably be way way worse if he grew up in the upper circle yeah and he wouldn't be able to talk about it with anyone because like galen was saying oh i don't well, he's like, I have friends. I see them once oh. a year. It's like, oh, oh God, Galen, the poor baby. sweet baby. Yeah. Oh. I like how this book, now that I'm rereading it, uh, for this is my third time reading it. Uh, it makes me think like, wow, messed up things happen in books two, three, and four, but not nearly as messed up as the royals. So like, there's nothing as screwed up as the royals. The, the royals are like twisted, like fucked yeah. up. You know, whereas like uh, bad things happen, up, up, you know, weird things happen in the later books, but yeah. it's rarely as like morally fucked up as what happens in in the upper circle. Yeah, like that the the morally fucked up stuff that happens. With this is like eleven, and then yeah, and the rest of the books it's like you know seven through ten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I was gonna say like. Yeah, I, I just, I, I wonder if there's, like, a large, I wonder if she was painting a picture and she was just, like, this is, Jen Lyons, that is, um, like, this is how fucked up this society is, um, or if it's, if there's an intentional, like, parallel with the fact that these are people with a lot of money and no actual ability to enact change, right? Because they can't actually rule. Right. Because mm. every other, uh... There are a lot of uh, hereditary houses, like your, like um, 
Jorat, actually all the ones that we've seen, I think are mostly hereditary, so, some yeah. kind of like monarchish <laughs> system. Um, but they're not nearly as fucked as this because like in Jorat, you have theoretically a responsibility to your people in the, Ma- the Vane, like your people are as powerful, if not more powerful than you, like they're all real magic. So it's interesting. The the power like, disparity is, is probably the biggest in Kerr in the capital city. Like Yeah. Yeah. But like you couldn't you couldn't do good things if you tried, if you're a noble. Like you can't rule. You can't say we need an aqueduct here. Except you can. You can't. But then you have to do of, it through proxies. Yeah. And you have to have bastards and it, but like you're supposed to be monogamous and it's all just like what a nightmare. Yeah. It's just a big like rat's nest of politics and manipulation and yeah can we talk about switching from talon's story to kieran's story uh starting with uh 53 speed training i love (laughs) the way i love the way tyan so her the way she speaks her like dialogue like it's a mix of you know her academic background and being with sailors for so long <laughs> she cur- she curses so much but like the way like she describes dragons she's like dragons they're not like you know using magic they are magic and then she's like actually dragons are a magical chaos vortex <laughs> and like relos var at one point like you know traps her ghost and it's not like she doesn't scream. She goes, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> like just the way Tyan- I just love the way like Jen Lyons writes the way Tyenso speaks. Yeah, she's I, pretty great. I look forward to getting more Tyenso stuff, and hopefully, they get some uh, Tyenso like point of view, internal monologue kinds of things. Because I would love to see how she thinks. Yeah, and what she thinks. <laughs> She's got she's got a very interesting perspective. She she yeah. spends most of these chapters being like, I'm not innocent. I have done a lot of terrible things. Um and they're they're pretty harsh on her, the chapters yeah. and uh Thena. Mm-hmm. So she's she's compelling more than like yeah. good or bad. She's just like it's really cool that we meet her on a ship and she's like a weather witch in addition to being their geisher. Because um, she is like a force of nature. Yeah, she is super powerful. And like she is actively trying to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Like part of the reason she wants to teach Kieran magic and is willing to go to such lengths is because she feels bad about geishing him. And that's when we find out uh, that, you know, oh, by the way, when you die, you're not going to go to the land of peace. You're going to be bound to a demon in hell forever. She's like, I feel bad about that, so I will kill myself to teach you magic? I love right. how they immediately go to the most extreme possible yeah. option. <laughs> it's like there's no middle ground. I think Kieran no says meditation. that, actually. He's like, uh, that seems like a lot. I want to know what ghost possessed Tienso. I do, too. Oh, uh, uh Phelan Ganway. Yeah. Because that is not a name that I don't think has ever come up before or again. The family has come up. I don't remember what their... Um, I'd have to go back, because, you know, Kieran describes all the colors associated yeah. with the families. Yeah, and, like, she... Because she also talks about how she kind of went to the academy because, like, her father was a 
professor or something. Like, like she's, she's in the back. She's kinda, had a yeah. formal education as well. But it sounds like, I think, I think she mentioned, she's like, I've had both a formal and informal education. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I want, I want to know. Okay. So house, uh, I think it's the Anway. Uh, they are in charge of the octagon slavery and private mercenaries. Is that also, that might also be the family that Tashar married yeah. into. The orange people. Yeah. 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 So you can see like. If he's part of that family, we don't know what his role was and how willing it was, uh, especially so, especially after Tishar's conversation about um, how, you know, even highborn slaves, um, their children, yeah, yeah, their children might end up as slaves as well. Why I think the whole ceremony, the religious ceremony things are completely not important is because Thane does this harsh judgment on uh, Tyenso, and mm-hmm. then Tyenso is talking to Taja in the last chapter. He's like, what are you going to do to me? I'm already dead. And Taja's like, no, you're just sleeping. And if the if the Mavanos meant anything, like another god wouldn't just be able to reverse it like that. That's a good thought. Yeah. I can dig it. They can't, like, maybe they shouldn't be able to fuck with each other's stuff. Yeah. I mean, they they do call them the three sisters, so... Yeah, but I think that was, like, kind of made up by people. Humans, yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, well, these are three things we don't understand. Yeah, and sometimes Galava is one of them. Right, instead of, you know, take your pick. I think think the Mavenos is also bullshit. Well, I mean, not bullshit. I'm sure that it, like, prepares the mind and develops Tenye and whatever, but, like... I think Thana doesn't need it because when uh, Tianso is like, I'll perform it. She's like, nah, it's not right. really necessary. Right, yeah. We'll do the, we'll do the <laughs> shortened version. Yeah. The We're shortened version is, damn. here's a knife. The Movano's <laughs> cliff notes. Yeah, I do like, Kirit is like, Kirit is a little bit like deer in a headlights through all of this too. Where yeah. he just goes from like, Tianso shows up, she's like, I'm gonna kill myself and teach you magic. And he's like, what? And then she stabs herself in the heart. <laughs> and then like, and then he's like, what? <laughs> Just, yeah, it's it's very, it's weirdly funny, but it's also stressful because you're like, we like this character now. Like, did she just kill herself for nothing? Like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a interesting kind of dynamic and it's, it's good. And uh, uh, I thought it was interesting that I guess Tienzo has like been, I don't know, like, glamouring herself for a while, maybe? Because uh, after she stabs herself, Kieran, like, sees her sort of true form and she's mm-hmm. got, like, the black Dolores eyes and she's got, like, purple cloud curl hair. So I guess she just hasn't been looking like that the whole time? Right. I, mean, I think the it's also... Particular. They, they mention when she comes into Kieran's room that she's put on weight, that she was, like, very emaciated and um, yeah, and the wrinkles in her forehead are gone. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, she was. Looking... She's glowing up. She's living her best life. Yeah. So island, island life agrees with her, as it does with most of most of mm. us. I could mm. go for some island life. More importantly, what was Kieran's plan to get off the island using five crates of hedgehogs? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely one of the funniest lines. Uh, 
Definitely the alternative name for this podcast. <laughs> I, Definitely I our, the... our Rune of Kings uh, band, though. Five Crates of Hedgehogs. Five Crates yeah. of Hedgehogs, yeah. Hello, everybody. We're Five Crates of Hedgehogs. Are you baby back? <laughs> I just ima- imagine his plan is that Five Crates of Hedgehogs would be so cute to a dragon that it would let him leave <laughs> that he's going to train the hedgehogs to go run out to the horrible statue garden and chip away uh, and free uh, everybody <laughs> and then i don't know yeah uh to uh, the fucking rock garden is is awful and scary uh and i do love though that that chapter starts with Kieran basically one finding out that he is kind of related he is related to Doc and two then being like lol dumb dragon you can't kill me and then immediately being confronted by the horrible singing sculpture garden of the old man and he's like I fucked up speaking of dragons when uh Kieran and Tyenso end up in Karis Golgoth and uh, they're being confronted yes. by Morgage. And then a dragon flies overhead. Uh, yep. I did not put that together nope. that that not was Rello's farm. Like, I don't, I don't think you're all. supposed to. Yeah. Like, There's no possible way to... like Having read this and discussed this as much as we have, I don't think it's possible to have put that together yeah. yet. I mean, maybe. You, you, it, it probably was people's like theories. Like people were, probably, oh, you know, yeah. But based yeah, on and, maybe the conversation that they had, maybe, maybe, maybe. No, okay. yeah. Uh, the way they describe the dragon uh, that turns out to be Velosvar is is described as a rainbow of metallic sh- uh, shimmer overlaying white, as if someone has spilled oil on top of marble. And when I read that this time, uh, it made me think of. Um, it's not in the movies, but in the Lord of the Rings Saruman. books. Saruman yeah, has first me too. Yeah. and then he takes on mm. the you know the I am Saruman of many colors. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And like Saruman, Relisvar wants to rule and be ultimately mm. powerful. So I was like, Oh yeah, this she she definitely read Lord of the Rings and like thought of this maybe or maybe, maybe. it's just a I- and maybe it's just a theme that goes through the ages. I would not be surprised. No, like, I think that's yeah. yeah. I think it's deliberate, that's and I think catch. I think it's good homage. It's like yeah. an Easter egg because you know yeah. she's got plenty of creativity that she's not stealing it. She's just like, hey, remember that time? Yeah, yeah. Because you have to have read Lord of the Rings to know that too. Yeah, that's a good catch. Like it. Uh, so Karis Goldoff sucks. It's not a good time. It is not. Yeah. Yeah, and we get, uh, you know, Kieran's. We get a lot of hints of about Kieran and Valkyrath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His claustrophobia. His like getting closer and closer to, uh, to the actual. Uh, I think this is the first entity. time like yeah. he gets like physically close to, and I realize that doesn't happen again for a while. Time, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not he until... like can't stop. He's yeah, like, so you need to do this. Yeah, like even from the beginning, he hears yeah. the voice being like, "Come, we'll be one. Join me. We'll be together." But the and first that's... time you read it, you don't know realize how big of a deal it is, Ugh. and so now, in hindsight, I'm like, "Oh, this all could have been over real quick." Yeah, and even even here, he's like, they mentioned that he's the king of the demons, which mm-hmm. is wrong. Yeah. 
Just flat out. Yeah. But I wonder if that is like another one of those things, you know, either it was a planted story. Yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah. Like how, how did, how did that come about? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's super cool. What Josh, I forget exactly what you phrase it as, but like, we'll be one, like, come join me. Right. That was it. It was like, you're so used to hearing that from a Star Wars perspective. It's like <laughs> yeah. that it's that it's a seduction, mm. that it's a invitation. When really she's turning the trope on its head already. It's not come join me, we'll be one, as in like, then we'll have this fucked up father-son relationship and you can rule my star killer. No. It's intimate and desperate and earnest. And that's kind of cool. We just don't realize it because he yeah. looks like Darth Vader. <laughs> or worse. Also, a thing I didn't catch the first time. Rallos Var, when he's confronted by the three goddesses, he like he kind of laughs them off and he refers to Kyrus Golgoth as his sanctum. What the hell does that mean? I feel like, <laughs> like that's just him blustering. Maybe. I mean, maybe. But, but we don't know, like, even in the future books, we don't know where... Ralosvar's home bases, if he has one. I'm or it might have been historically so they they describe the architecture in Kyrus Golgoth as like it's very elaborate, but it's not a quaros in nature. It's like it could be one of the old cities that then got destroyed. So it could have been his old office. It's just like, oh yeah, you know, yeah. my office next to the Vagelsaurus. Yeah, or maybe it has something to do with the ceremony that made him the way he is. Yeah, yeah, it could be the old ceremony chamber. It's a cool place. Yeah, it's, although it's spooky, uh, and it kind of again like the the Morgage are introduced, and we've we've heard them kind of referenced throughout the book, but we don't really know who or what they are. Uh, mm. And they show up, and they're like, I I don't know why I pictured them more like lizard people the first time. Um, they're almost more like land squid people with spikes. Like they have like face tentacles. Yeah. yeah. I think it's very counterintuitive to think desert squid. Yeah, yeah. So that might be why. Because I had the I had a similar yeah. Yeah, and like Yeah, they got they have like tentacle mouths yeah. and then they have spikes underneath their arms. Yeah, they're like lionfish squid people. They're hard to picture, and I kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, this is why we're doing this podcast, so we can get more people to read this book, and then make fan art of what right. Morgage look like. Yeah, and the we'll longest like, Oh, con. that's what they look like. Yeah. Please, please, someone with artistic skills far greater than mine. What do you, what do you think Morgage look like? Let us know. Show us I your ma- fan I art. I imagine, I almost yeah. kind of imagine, did you ever, do you ever watch Doctor Who and see there's an alien creature called the Oods? That's who I'm thinking of, I think. Yes. Yeah, I I just imagine them, but with more, like, human, smoother skin and spikes. Oh, those things. Yeah, that or, like, Zoidberg. That's kind of also what I like. I like like Zoidberg better. Yeah. But but Zoidberg, when, like, uh, the episode where he's, like, in mating season, where he has the fin up. (laughs) <laughs> well yeah we learned more about the morgage and their uh their mating habits also yeah 
So maybe they're more like crab people. Maybe. I mean, yeah. there's definitely things that we don't know yet yeah. that I want to know more about that might not come up. There was some interview with Jen Lyons that she posted a few days ago where she was talking about her original plan for book four was us spending time with the Dreth. And I was like, damn it, I still want that. That would have been cool. Yeah. I mean, it might happen in book five. It might, yeah. Know. Which is going to be called, what, a, a Cacophony of Gods or something like that? I don't remember. I'll look it up. We're recording this in May, and uh, just as we're recording doing this episode, the the re- the like remakes of not remakes like refurbished editions of Mass Effect has just yeah. come out, mm-hmm. and I've been playing the first one, and I'm like, these books have kind of ruined how human centric this the this this game is. I'm like, I want more aliens. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a mistake that a lot of fantasy makes. Um, we're we're recording this in May. Good reminder, Josh, because I just saw the Mortal Kombat movie, which is very Ooh, I'm silly. so sorry. I mean, it's fine. Okay. It was. Is it fun? It was dumb fun. Okay, there you go. That's fine. A lot of people say their catchphrases in in increasingly tortured ways, and you know what? Props. <laughs> anyway, the uh, the idea that you need a character who doesn't know what's going on. Mm. is not always true. Like, mm. Kieran doesn't know what's going on in a lot of senses, but in other ways, he does. Like, he's not... He hasn't been transported to an island where he's like, I'm from Earth. Let's talk about elves. Um, and, like, you don't always need that cipher. You can have an alien main character. Like, you can have a thief who knows what's what. Like, yeah. Anyway, that was a long-winded way of saying, Josh, I agree with you. PCs as aliens, please. Mm-hmm. We're all weirdos. And, like as a hobby, I write my own fantasy fiction, mm-hmm. and like I'm looking back at like my first uh, novels that I wrote, and it's very human centric. And I'm like, why did I do that? Like, let's make more weird, you know, humanoids. Yeah. Just we all we all feel like aliens anyway, so why not? Mm. Sorry, I was scanning Twitter trying to find the fifth book name, but I can't. It's fine. It's the Discord of Gods. The Discord, Discord of, of Gods. Right. Okay. Oh, yes, because there's already been many, many jokes about the app Discord. <laughs> I think she said something like her editor calls it the Slack of Gods. <laughs> <laughs> the Google Meets of Gods. Yeah. <laughs> the Zoom call of eternity. Nope. Nobody wants the Skype of Gods. Yeah. I just have one more note. I love that the Morgage call Valkorath the Hungry One. Mm. They like uh, the leader has a line that says the Hungry One stirs. <laughs> Man, I want more Morgage shit. Honestly, they seem super cool. I'm sorry, the line about the Hungry One did not hit maybe the way it was intended because I myself was hungry when reading it, <laughs> oh, and yeah, I was like, "That's what I was thinking." Like, uh, I'm yes. also the Hungry One. You know one. what? I do stir. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, ice cream sounds really good. Ooh. Thanks, Jen. But one of the last things that uh, Relos Var says to Kieran before he goes away, where he's like, "Oh, they," ha-, where he's like, "Oh, they haven't told you yet," and then. Relisvar has this great line, which doesn't have as much impact the first time, but has way more impact now, where he goes, I bet she thinks you don't need to know. Mm. And he's right. 
Yep. Yeah. It, the funny thing about Rillis Var is that he lies a lot, but he also tells the truth a lot. Right. But yeah, I think I think that's all I have for these chapters. I do like the final moment where Tyanso is like, who are you, scamp? And Kieran is like, you know who I am. And then she's like, none of this stuff happens to just some royal brat. Like, <laughs> some kid. who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and even he doesn't know at this point. Nope. Nope. You can leave this part in, actually. What a great fantasy where you're like, oh, I forgot that character is psychic. Yeah. There's so <laughs> yeah. much going on and all of it is so insane yeah. and it's so plot driven that it doesn't even need to rest on like, oh, this character's psychic. What an amazing yeah. thing. It's it, like, nope. <laughs> it's nice that it's not like world breaking either. Right. Yeah. This is sort of uh, related, uh, but it's good. Be- it's good because and it makes me I'm a big wrestling fan and the big debate now is between the new promotion, AEW, and the old promotion, WWE. And a lot of WWE storytelling doesn't make sense. And when I ever hear reviews of it, it's like, I just want the bare minimum of it making sense. <laughs> and, like, everything in these books makes sense. Like, of course, Talon would know uh, the scene with Merritt in the alleyway because she's psychic but you forget that she's psychic but once you remember that she's psychic you go oh that makes sense and it's just like sometimes it's just great when things make sense it doesn't have to be complicated it's just great when it makes sense yeah there's no plot i feel like i feel like that's kind of like the the foundation for a good fantasy it just it all making sense Yeah, it doesn't doesn't have to be this complicated. Yeah. This is great because, in part, it's complicated, but also because it's simple. It's just like, teenagers want to kiss. No yeah. one wants the world to end. These are all pretty normal motivations. The hungry one is hungry. Yeah. He has a hunger. Tie and so cursed a lot because she was with sailors yeah. for like yeah. 10 years. Or 15 years, I forget how long. It was a while. That was a good note to end on. Things yeah. should make sense. Yeah. Steph, what are you reading right now? I've I've been on a, a bit of a binge of like short things since I finished The House of Always. So I I don't even know if I mentioned it to you. Christina had recommended to me uh, The Empress of Salt and Fortune. Uh, that's very good. Uh, and I mean, you can read it in like an afternoon or like an hour if you're me, because <laughs> it's very short. Uh, that was great. Um, so I'll eventually read the second one to that. I've been reading The Twisted Ones by T. Kingfisher, which is a super creepy horror story uh, with a cute dog. So that's been pretty enjoyable. Uh, Christina assures me that it is gets even more fucked up. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then I've started reading Gear Breakers, which is our next book for this podcast. Christina, what are you reading? Uh, so I actually started a writing uh like like online course i couldn't think of the word um Mm. so i haven't been reading that much which is a embarrassing and b troubling but c (laughs) might make sense like i'm i'm taking this class i'm doing this other stuff i have a wedding next week um so like yeah what have i been reading mostly the back of the toothpaste when I brush my teeth right before I go to bed. <laughs> I think that's a good point that we should remark upon is that uh, there's like, there's people are like, oh, you should be reading mm. all the time. And like, no, 
No. You, sh- you can take breaks from reading. Yeah. You can. It's not an obligation. It should be, uh, like I la in 2020 when the pandemic started, I was like, I'm not gonna do the Goodreads book challenge anymore. This is dumb. <laughs> like I should just read because I want to read. Yeah. I want. Yeah. I shouldn't read to like read this certain amount of book. So read when you feel like it. Read because you like the book. That's my. Yeah. That's my lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Oh, don't... and that's another yeah. thing. If you don't like a book and you don't have to read. like you. There's no obligation for you to read the book. Stop reading it. Yep. Yep. You know, give it, you know, a certain amount of chapters. And if you still don't like it, that, the time is precious. Yeah. I started reading a book a week and a half ago or so. Didn't I got like 10 chapters in and I was like, nope. Yep. No shame for you or for the book. Like, unless it's actively offensive. Yeah, it like, just wasn't for me. You don't me. have to trash yeah. it. Can, it can just be yeah. not for you. This, yeah. is, this is a lesson I say to myself because I like... Definitely criticism in the 90s and, like, 2000s when I was growing up was all harsh. It's like, well, I didn't like this because it was bad. Mm. I was like, no. Like, some things just aren't for you, and that's, yeah. that's chill. So, yeah, that was, that was an important lesson for me. And, Josh, you're right. I should not beat myself up about not reading. So. It's not like you'll never read again. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thank you for that. I mean, listen, my anxiety is like, you'll never read again. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's lying. I get that. I mean, that. you read everything for this. So I did. Clearly, yeah, yeah so. I didn't read nothing. Speaking of reading, I'm yes. reading. Uh, I just finished The Shadow of the Gods, which was very good. Uh, and now I have moved on to The Helm of Midnight by uh, Marina Lasseter. Yeah. I'm excited for that one. I have that one out from the library. Thank you for listening. Steph, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Steph O. Kingston, and you can find me on the Love to Hate podcast, Demons Are a Girl's Best Friend, Geekly Inc. Random Encounters, Sailor Moon, SHU Podcast, and that's it. I also edit stuff. Don't worry about that. And Christina, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Girl and on Demons Are a Girl's Best Friend and also writing reviews on geeklyinc.com along with Josh. Josh, where can we find you? You can find me at 405wits on most social medias, mostly Twitter, and you can read my reviews at geeklyinc.com. Thank you for listening to No Page Unturned, part of the Geekly Inc. podcast family. If you like the show, please show us some love with a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Page Podcast. The show is edited by me, Steph Kingston. Our amazing theme music is by Bad Sparrow, and you can check them out at Bad Sparrow Music. And our cover art is by Chango Chimango, who you can check out on Instagram and Twitter at Chango Chimango.